in the Grotto Pod. I am in the Grotto Pod along with Bridget Quinn, author. Uh, you know who else in the Grotto Pod? Nobody. Nobody, just us. It's kind of uh, refreshing. Yeah. No offense to anybody. No, certainly not. We love our guests. Uh, we are fresh off of a stunning, live. successful, stunningly successful live podcast at the library last week with uh, Matthew Zapruder. I think you mispronounced it. Oh, Zap. Remember? Zapruder. Oh, I He put the emphasis Matthew. on the oh, wrong syllable. My bad. I think my dad used to oh, say that. Um, the thing is, I just love this, like, drilling down on things, and it was so fun hearing him talk about poetry. I'll tell you what, that was fantastic for me, and if, uh, well, I'm not going to give away the whole thing because okay. you have to listen to it for That's yourself, right. but... The real revelation for me, talking to Matthew yeah. Zapruder, poet, was that people aren't taught how to read poetry. I felt like he was almost saying, you don't need to be taught how to read it. That that, that could be part of the problem. Oh, I thought he was saying... Well, because they're taught incorrectly. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Because I felt like, oh, because I'm reading it. For content. Right. right. As as one would read a story. Right. What, where's, the, where's the meaning here? What does this mean? Right. Um, and I like that he had so much gray area for a guy who's a poetry expert. But that's poetry. If I am not mistaken, he's written a book on poetry. Why Poetry, which is out in paperback and highly recommended. I loved that book. Yeah. But he would admit, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I was trying to do here. It's, it's poetry, man. Yeah, except that there was still quite a bit of rigor behind it. It wasn't like... Poetry is rigorous. It is rigorous. Yeah. You know what and else I like? like I, I like he, he doesn't read poetry in poet voice. Yes, I find poet well, voice a little... Well, that's why his voice as a poet is, uh, it's very vernacular, mm-hmm. whilst it was kind of like Merwin. It had a, it has a kind of timeless quality. Yeah. Um, I still, those Merwin poems, boy, those were like... Uh, the Lice, everybody. The Lice is the book we talked about. My favorite book is the series. Yep. Uh, Check it out. San Francisco Public Library, four times a year. Next up is Ingrid... Contreras. Contreras. And that is, I think, in September? Uh, we no, should it know better be in November we're going to be there. I will not be around in September. Where, so, yeah, you're not going to be around. You're here today. I'm here today that I'm leaving. You are literally here today, gone tomorrow. That's right. Yeah. Hooray, Yamie. Uh, tomorrow is August 1st, you see. You wouldn't know that here in San Francisco where it is 56 degrees. I want to tell everybody what, what I wore here. Okay, I'm wearing a cashmere sweater. Yeah. I wore a scarf. You got a little uh, Native American, uh, uh, little deal rabbit's foot know. looking thing there around your neck, um, too. I don't know what it, I, I don't think is it is. Is it faux Native, Native American? No, I think it's just arty. Okay. Um, and it has a little bit of red coral. It was a gift. I actually really like it. Okay. Um, and I wore um, gloves. Parka. I wore a jacket, a scarf, and uh, <laughs> I was in my office cold. Meanwhile, I it's like 110 degrees everywhere else in the country. I was just in Portland. It was cold. Whereas it's I, hot, I, mean, I wore a short sleeve shirt because it's July 31st. And are you cold? No, I mean I'm you know I'm a, oh I'm my a gosh. warmer kind Danielle of guy. Danielle was just yeah. in my office wearing a beanie. She had such a cute little outfit on. I know she's awesome. The little running shoes, the little beanie, <laughs> very nice. She's really good. She's well, cold. we're here to talk about writing. Oh, we are writers. Uh, you know, let's check in with BQ here, who okay, just thanks. had a meeting with her editor, or editor, her well, agent, and my editor, and your agent and editor. Yep, I had lunch with my editor and a meeting with my agent, and now I'm a new woman, and I'm happy and not crabby right now. I like the old woman. I don't need a new she one. She was getting crabby. She was getting a little crabby. I was. Well, I was freaking out because I'm behind. Okay. This is a little glimpse into the life of an actual working writer. Okay. So here's Then we can glimpse into mine after that. Okay. So, (laughs) and both are completely normal. Uh, So I have a manuscript due pretty soon, I would say, a couple Mm -hmm. months, a few months. And um, I'm behind for many, I have lots of good reasons. Yeah. Right? Like I moved. Right. My mother-in-law was sick. My niece got married. I have all these reasons why I'm behind. So the pressure has built up and I'm sick of stress. Do you have any kind of writer's block or is it no, just time? I don't just have getting time the time. Writer's block. Jeez, but if you were after all that, I would think I would get sort of scattered and then when it came time to actually sit down and be going, I got nothing. No, because I don't have time for that. The part of the problem though is that I have so much research to do that mm. managing the research and the writing, which are two somewhat separate things. Yeah. Um, I get paralyzed by indecision. Like, what's the important thing to work on today? Oh, so I'll just do nothing? That never happens. That would always happen to me. No, because I can't. Right. Like, I have a deadline. Well, so anyway, um, the funny thing about... So, okay, everybody. So I needed to go... I got to have lunch with my editor about something else, but I knew I wanted to talk about the book deadline. (laughs) 
What was the other thing you were talking about? Uh, we were talking about getting together and doing a an event together because uh, her name is Bridget and my name is Bridget. Oh, right. Yeah. I know your editor. She was on the show, Bridget Watson Payne from Chronicle Books. Um, and I even, and I was, but I was very, I didn't like slip it in. I was very like, I have things to tell you and some of it is stressful. Okay. I was, so I was very upfront and I, and I told her, I told her my situation and that I was going to need an, uh, an extension and she's so great. She's not shaming. Good. And she always has a good solution. And she had a great solution that I can totally make happen. And so now I feel super excited and ready to go. And then I needed to sit down with Danielle, who thank God was here, and explain what happened and what my situation is and also to get ideas about how to work on things, so, which I need help with sometimes. So these two um, contributors to your life. Mm-hmm. Yes. Were put in a somewhat difficult, not hugely difficult, but kind of a difficult position where they could decide which way to go. Right. And, and I have to say, every single writer that I spewed to and I said, oh, I'm stressed. I got to go ask for an extension. Said, well, of course. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. I see. I don't see deadlines like that. Me neither. Because I was wondering, um, you know, it, it, there could have been a case where one or both of them would have said, you know, no. Lock up. Yeah. No yeah. deadline. Just, just, you know, work twice as hard. Well, I will say when I had broached the topic with Danielle a couple weeks ago, she had great advice, and here it is. Draft the shit out of it. Right. You gave me that advice. same advice, that's too. Right Just advice. keep going. Right. And and so that is what I'm going to do, and that is how I'm going to meet this, de- this new deadline situation we have, which is fantastic and exciting and makes me feel energized instead of sometimes I get paralyzed by fear mm. and, like, the stress and nervousness. And I guess that's what you're talking about. Not really writer's block, but just paralysis. Right. It's, it's, the, the cliff looks too high. Right. But I wonder if those two know you well enough to not come down hard on you. Well, they know I'm not going to flake because well, I'm not going to flake. But they would also have to know if you were someone who would be motivated by a kick in the pants oh, right. versus yeah, a nurturing do, approach. You probably do need to know that. I would say that both of their approaches is somewhat in between those. It's like, okay, what's going to work? Mm-hmm. And then they have a different path. Yeah, because it can't just be total Pollyannas. No, because stuff has to get done, especially right. because my book is tied to a, an event. So, um, oh, it is. Can I talk about it? I have no idea. I, you're asking me? Um, you can talk about anything. Yeah. I, it's about um, the 19th Amendment, uh, the 100-year anniversary of women's voting rights in the United States. Oh, yeah. Or some women's voting rights in the United States. So um, it's – and that's August 2020. So things have to be done in a certain uh, 2020. time. 2020. Good. Big things are coming I in know, 2020. That's a big year. Yeah, big year. Somebody should write a pop song about 2020. Is there one? Well, there was yes. in the year 2525, back right. in the 60s. Yeah, that sounded familiar when but I said But it's still 505 years away at that point. So we're not going to see it. Uh, and there was a band called 2020, I believe. Oh. I think so. The early new wave years. That does sound familiar. Oh, speaking of new wave, guess yeah. what? I saw the psychedelic first. Oh, yeah, you did. Was Willie Blotton there? I looked around for him. <laughs> 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 you look for the beatific glow. I went. I mean, I looked for Willie Vlotten, who, between you and me, is a little dreamy. And loves the psychedelic furs. Well, does he? And, in fact, came back after our legendary late-night conversation about the best front man in rock and roll and said, you know, I forgot about Richard Butler. No. Does no. Richard Butler resemble a little old lady now? I've um, heard he was going in that direction. <laughs> Yes. He does. Yeah, I was worried about that. So it was 100 degrees in Portland. Oh. At least. Oh, you, he probably was at the show. I forgot you were in PDX. And, and it was outdoors. Yeah, oh boy. And Richard Butler was wearing... Scarves? The same thing he wore in 1983. Scarves. <laughs> so, yeah, and a long black trench coat. Of course. And I was like, he must be dying. Yeah, yeah. Well, don't let him see you sweat, Richard. And it was... Not dark out yet, and they had a smoke machine. Was really did they play? Uh, they played they, everything. Did they play "She Is Mine" oh, yeah, off the remember. first album? I just heard that on Pandora. That's why I mention it. And I, I don't thought, remember. I used to know all the words to this song in I 1982. Knew the, I knew the words to every single song. Yeah, I didn't. Um, I hope they didn't play the uh, movie version of "Pretty in no, Pink." They played the God. original version. Thank God. Good. Um, and. Ghost in You. So that's, really a, that's an oldies show, the type it of which... It was all people my age or older. Right. But that's the type of show, if it were the Rolling Stones, I would normally go on my jag about, well, you need to pay me $300 to go to that show. And why would you want to go see a jukebox play 50-year-old songs? But the few times I've gone to bands of my era playing right. oldies, I'm psyched. I get to see this live. I never got to see it live, you know? But I did see the Psychedelic Furs in 85. Yes. I saw them a long time ago. Yeah. It, it was... 
pretty much the same. Yeah. They were much older, and it was just funny, and it didn't really hold up. I was kind of bummed. I'm sorry, everybody. I love the psychedelic furs. But I will say um, twofold. One is that I saw X open. That's right. They X. were fantastic. However, it came to my attention that Exine is a conspiracy theorist. And Duh. You didn't, didn't know, didn't know that? this. Oh, yeah. She's it, crazy. Like, ruined it Did you me. say hi to your friend, John? I did. I did wave to him, but he did not wave back. And he was amazing. He was incredible. Like I am so disappointed to hear that she's apeshit crazy. How Billy Zoom look? Did he look evil. okay? Oh my god, he was amazing. He good because you know well, he's like he's a cancer survivor, right? So and he sat instead of standing mm-hmm. with the wide-legged stand, but he had that same look on his face. The where he was smile, just like grinning and looking yeah. out over the audience. He was very sweet. DJ Bronebreak was amazing. The songs were amazing. They were super tight. And I wish I didn't know that about Exine. It was horrible. Oh, yeah. I interviewed her many, many years ago and realized that she was speaking in a circular motion. And I thought, boy, if I can debunk Exine this easily, then this isn't going well for her. So I was happy to see them. But it's just like finding out for me, you know, it's like like, I think we've talked about this before. When you find out that an artist that you love or a writer that you love was a terrible person. Right. You can't get over it. I'm in that state now. I'm like, (laughs) oh, I can't get over it. But – at any rate, I had a great deal of fun with my family. Good. Um, and Portland's a great book town. Portland is knows. a great book town. Um, <clears throat> as what for, are you writing? As for my writing life, <laughs> I you know I've had a few uh, a, a few um, bad reversals. You know, I lost my column at the, in the J. Oh, uh, that probably got you because you're a good at deadline. A couple months day. ago, I am really good, motivated, deadline driven person. That's two columns now I've lost at the J, and this one, weirdly enough. Maybe they just don't go forever. Well, the first one could have, and the editor didn't want it to go forever. I don't think she liked it, which was so funny because that column, which was about my son's first year away at oh, school, yeah. I have oh, never wow. gotten more response oh, positive. Bet. I actually got fan mail. Of course. It was great. And then she wanted this one, which is based on my other podcast, Is It Good for the Jews? Mm-hmm. She loved it. Oh, Loved it so much. Tried to get it syndicated. Didn't work. Oh, I didn't understand why she loved it. I thought it, I mean, sometimes it was funny and sometimes it was actually a transcript of the show and sometimes Which I made it up. Funny. Yeah, she she wanted a transcript, but sometimes I would just make it up like, all right, well, <laughs> we don't really have <laughs> anything. You know, she's not listening. You know what's funny is now that it's over. And, and then when, so when they cut it, I think that magazine might be in trouble. And she said, you know, sometimes I hate my job and I, I, I hate to have to do this. And I'm like, whatever, I don't. It's fine. It's fine yeah. Wasn't paying that much, um, and oh, it was just easy. That. We will talk about money. We're going to okay. segue into that, all right? Because um, I'll tell you what else I'm doing during my days, um, <laughs> other than podcasting, right? But it's changed my other podcast because when I had that, oh right, you in the beginning, I would think, okay, I need something. Right, we got to have some five minute clip here that I can put in there. Yes, and so there's actually a lot more. Freedom, but I'm not sure how great that is because it was nice to know I was going to have a killer, funny segment. You know, this is the thing, though. This is, to circle back to poetry, the compression of form can really help writing. And yeah. I think deadlines are a little bit of that compression, too. I'm all about the deadlines. I was thinking when Me you too. were talking about um, those guys being cool about deadlines, I had an editor once in Seattle who was not cool about missing a deadline. I remember I missed a deadline once by a day, and she lit into me. Wow. Almost as badly as the manager of the Marie Calendars lit into me when I was 22 and didn't show up for work because I was hungover. I almost okay. said, sorry, mom, if you're listening, say, but I know my mom's not listening because she's not she living. Be. I believe she could be. Um, True. But uh, I don't remember if it's former or latter, but one was correct and one was incorrect. The day late one, incorrect. Showing up hungover, yeah. And not going because you're hungover. Do you really want no. this job? And I'm like, well, it's job Marie Calendars, really. not a ton. But <laughs> no, but then she put the fear of God into me, this, this editor, for missing this deadline. And I remember then I suggested... I said, oh, I got an idea for a story. It's Bill Janovitz from uh, Buffalo Tom has a soul. I was like, I've never even heard of him. And I was like, whoa, okay. Now you're on the show. Backing list. off. Uh, yeah, it was terrible. I was I really worried. I just want to say, I do not miss deadlines. They, I'm so freaked out by them. Oh, I need them. And then <laughs> I told someone who's a pretty well-known editor, like almost an Eminence Grease editor. Oh, like, nice. Oh, I know. Thank you. Uh, oh, I'm so worried about missing this deadline. This was years ago. And he goes, oh, deadlines are made to be broken. <laughs> wow. See, I disagree. <laughs> I like, what? You're an editor. I'm a, when I've been an editor, I'm a deadline guy. I like my stuff when I want it. Otherwise, I would have told you to send it in a week later. Exactly. Well, maybe people bake it in. But I, I got to tell you, my experience of like spewing my ranting, ranting around the grotto and other people because mm-hmm. I'm that person who just can't keep it to myself and mm-hmm. anxious. Um, was that people are, will 
our world. We're all like, oh yeah, don't worry, ask for an extension. And um, and I'm so I'm so grateful to Bridget Watson Payne and Chronicle Books right now because I won't miss a second. Bridget Watson Payne is a very pleasant person. She's pleasant, but you know what? She's just also smart. Like she has a plan. It's not like some like, oh okay, we'll just extend it. Like right. And if there's, she has like, well, I, you'll have to do this and this and this, and this is how you'll work <clears> it. And I'm like, okay, I get it. I wondered, never having been a book editor. If when they lay out the, you know, the original program, if Do they, they make it in? right, they must have. To if they think, you okay, we're going to miss a deadline here and there, so we've got a backup plan if that if it comes to that. When I did broad strokes, it became clear that I was not going to be able to meet the deadline. Also for that, I have a question: Is yeah. broad strokes ever going to come out in paperback? No, oh, it's because it's an art book. Uh, I don't know that Chronicle does paperbacks. Oh, okay, um, I th- and also because I think it is an art book. Yeah. Um, the the problem is the reproduction costs are so high that mm. I don't think you could sell a paperback with okay. those reproductions. Um, okay. At any rate, I can't remember. Oh, and I was so freaked out about missing the deadline for that, and she and I could see that I wasn't going to finish on time. And she immediately like emailed me back that same day. I didn't know her very well then, and said, "Here's what we're going to do. You're going to we're going to have rolling deadlines." You're going to send in, like, completely fixed chapters, and while you're writing the new stuff, you'll have to edit the back stuff. Okay. And it was, like, a system. Yeah. It made so much sense. So well, it wasn't a big extension, but it was because it was all completely done when it was finished. Well, and it was nice that the, the, the solution she gave you was a complete solution. Exactly. It wasn't just like, okay, you have two more weeks. All right, yeah, two more weeks. Yeah. No, it's like, all right, got to make up for the back end, so we're going right. to do this, this, and this. It was so helpful. Yeah, I mean, that's nice. If you're just slaving away trying to write that book, it's right. nice to know someone's taking care of And I guess I really stuff. would recommend if you are facing a big project or even a long story or long essay that you figure out a way to break it down into these manageable chunks that make sense time-wise, time management-wise, and writing-wise. I hear you, because that's really the most daunting thing about this novel I'm trying to work on. Is time management? No, it's just looking ahead at the size. Uh, yeah, you have to look at it. I mean, I try to go time. scene, 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 yep. scene. Yeah, Thanks to your input. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I, I keep that in the back of my head now. Like, if I'm going off on too much of an expository flight of fancy, like, no, no. Let's get into the scene. Get in. Show the what's going on. good advice I got once, I can't remember who told me this, was to just don't worry about transitions in the first draft. Oh, just yeah. Go from just scene, scene, scene. I so do worry about that. I know. It can take so yeah. long. And to just skip that part. And then what's crazy is how often you don't need any transition. Yeah. My first writing had so many people in cars. It was crazy. Why did it have so many people in cars? Because they were going places. They're getting to the next place. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's like the old thing when you know when you when you're young and you don't really know much about watching movies. Like, how come they never show anyone going to the bathroom or looking for a parking spot? <laughs> that's life, man. Yeah. Why There's a life? reason why. Because it's boring. It's super boring. Well, the other thing about cars was that I could have people talking to each other and not having to do anything. Right. Um, yeah, and, I could see that. But there were so many cars. So many cars. Yeah, I have scenes in bars which sort of serve that same purpose. Right, because you're you know, sitting. You're sitting in a bar. And that's what people do in bars. But I found that one of the – and I need to send you more chapters, but I don't think you have time yet. So I'll wait till you're yeah, done. Yeah, wait till the end of August. Um, that can be a little deadline. The, the concern about putting people in a bar is that the bartender is too clever. I made the bartender too clever. He's too witty, you know? Yeah. And it doesn't sound real. So you're trying to get, like, these characters. Does it have to sound real? Yeah, I think so. Right. I'm, I'm a Frank Norris uh, okay. naturalist type of oh, guy. I did not know Yeah, this. I don't like flights of fancy. I, oh, I don't always... mean flights of fancy. I just mean I feel like dialogue is not real. Oh, see, I'm, I that's my strength is real-sounding dialogue. Um, or, uh, do you put that in? I do sometimes, yeah. So interesting. Or people repeating themselves. or Because uh-huh. I just like the rhythm of it, you yeah. know? Yeah, well, that I can see. That I can see. And it's like I tell my child, who, by the way, let me blow uh, – I'm not a braggart usually. Well, sometimes, but <laughs> – Maybe about your kid. Let me brag a little bit about my kid here. Oh, he you. just got a screenplay accepted <laughs> to the Newark Film Festival. That is fantastic. Out of left field. Can I say his name? Nope. Okay, congrats to you. Congrats to you, son. <laughs> When you're famous, Larry's I'll say son. your name on my podcast, and you still need to get in here and fix our I know, dude. audio that somebody who I don't know Unless who it was is in here using it and screwed it up. Shock. Big yeah. shock there. So here's what else I'm doing with my days, and this kind of segue, I want to talk a little about how we support ourselves or don't. Um, so I, as you know, I do uh, 
for hire writing for realtors. Yes. There's and, a novel in that. Uh, well, that's my character in my novel is a failed realtor. Um, but although having driven to Tahoe last week with a friend who's a successful realtor, I realized yes. like, boy, there's a lot to this game that if I really wanted to dive into it, oh, for I sure. could do, but I'm not sure I really want to get into Have that. Have you read Independence Day yet? I'm about 50 pages in. Has it gone okay? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that book. I just finished, I just, because well, I was reading the Real Robin State? Williams biography. Oh, I know you. That sounds so good. Yeah, but it was Real hard. Real Estate and Baseball. Yeah, and, yeah. And son. Uh, I like it. I do have a son, yeah. No, but the book my is son's, about... My son's better behaved than his. Yeah. Well, it wouldn't be much of a story then. <laughs> but so I've been doing this stuff. And it's kind of drying up a little bit, oh, which is okay. Are you telling me the real estate market's drying up a little bit? Uh, I don't know because I actually just sent – this kind of made me not mad. But so my buddy, my buddy who's a captain of industry is out this last week and he said, I got to show you this, this uh, story of Business Insider about the real estate market. It's going to crash. And here's why. And he's like, the debt to something ratio is wrong. And, you know, like, people's ah. – all these like numbers. And, but um, – <laughs> <laughs> it's like I tried to look at a statement of my the IRA that I inherited from my father the other day. I'm like, I got halfway through the first page and I, I, I know, so the I numbers know. just started swimming. See, that's not good because we're basically small businesses of our own. Right. Oh, but you're like a math guy. I Yeah, which is the strangest thing. Anyways, he says that, yes, the market is going to crash in the next mm-hmm. couple years. We're headed for a recession. couple uh, years, okay. I, that's why I said how long. <laughs> when can I sell my house besides now? Yeah. Um, he said, oh, no, a few years. I said, well, and there's these rare times that I feel like maybe I do know something about the local real estate. He said, well, you know, the inventory is so low and it has been mm-hmm. at historic levels since 2011, basically. And inventory is interest rates may rise, but even, you know, I said, well, you know, in Burlingame last year, over 50% of the homes were bought. People paid cash. What for a city with a, a median na- home price of two point seven million dollars? Are you kidding me? So I thought, wow, I wonder <laughs> if it'll impact us at all, or maybe if this means, hey, I'll be able to buy a really cheap house somewhere in twenty twenty. Yeah. Anyways, I asked my realtor friend, who's the only one giving me business these days, and he replied, "Well, the outlook looks positive for fall." Oh. And I thought... Write that down. That's good dialogue. Yeah. The outlook looks positive for fall. That's good realtor dialogue. That is good realtor dialogue. He gives me stuff, but the other ones are kind of drying up and they're a little uppy, iffy up and down. And yeah. sometimes... You know what? Sometimes... So here's a hard thing, uh, freelance writers out there. If you have a number of clients who don't give you a lot of business... Yes, it's hard. And if they give you something to do that takes you an hour, mm-hmm. well, you bill them for two because that's your minimum mm-hmm. and they know that. Mm-hmm. But then when the time comes at the end of the month, oh, I forgot to invoice them because it was for 200 bucks. Right. You know? Right. It's hard. And if you don't have 50 people giving you stuff to do for an hour, right. then who cares? You know? Right. <laughs> really, who cares? It's going to make a difference. I just spent that on groceries, you know? I know, but you got to bill it. I see that I find billing hard. Billing is really hard through. to remember and I, to follow through. Exactly. And, right. and maybe you send a bill. And they forget and about they it. And they pay it, and you got to back up to them. And right. there's people like Condé Nast who never pay you. And that is a growing – let's talk about money. That's a right. growing problem that, that has been getting kicked back and forth here at the Grotto is very reputable magazines. They've always been like that. Not paying. Yeah. The one that people were going back and forth with before I've written for in the past one, they, back then they paid on time and, and you know, without mm-hmm. with, a, with a minimum of hassle. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what they're thinking if, like, you know, I've had those experience. I had a really bad experience when I was first starting out. I moved to Seattle, and I hooked up with this music magazine. I was writing about music, and they were paying me, like, 25 cents a word, which at the time, I was like, oh, my God. I feel like this might be the same magazine that I'm still pissed off about giving me. <laughs> Probably not because it was so sketchy. It was unbelievable. Ugh. I'm set, you know, and I, yeah. and I had my little motorcycle magazine I was doing, and I was writing for some other guys who were paying me nothing, but it was fine. I was going, man. Yeah. 28 years old, I know, and I so am fun. ready to go. So fun. Well, they kept giving me big stories. Yep. And then a month would go by, and I wouldn't get paid. Mm-hmm. And then another month would go by, and they'd keep giving me stories, yep. and I wouldn't get paid. And, but they were flashy. Mm-hmm. So they would seem to be throwing money around. They had this big office space. I'm like, we want you to come in here. We want to buy your magazine from you. And I was like, wow, great. Mm-hmm. I'm overwhelmed. Do it. Yeah. And in the end, they, they never pay. They owed me like, I think it was $3,500. Oh. 
And then they went out of business. I, there's, so there was a magazine in New York that I wrote for that owed me a few thousand, something like that, $2,000. But I was 25, right. 26. Like, it was a lot and of And what money. are you supposed to do? Stop writing? Right, exactly. And once I finally realized they were never going to pay me, I once called them from a payphone. Remember those? Yeah. While my husband was having um, appen- an appendectomy. Oh. He had appendicitis as an appendectomy. Yeah, yeah. And told them that they had to pay me. And they were like, oh, oh, my God. Yes, of course. We were just about to send you the check. Yeah. And now I'm on a different coast. Like, I've left New York. Never got paid. And I could still get pissed off about it. I understand. I still do, too. I remember sitting there talking to the guy who owned the magazine and him telling me, what am I supposed to do? I don't have the money. I know. Like, then why did you order And then you realize that you can't even really put the name of the magazine on a resume because it doesn't exist anymore. I know. That's, that's also happening. I got a couple decent clips, but boy, I remember once that guy owned a nightclub. So this, um, this comes around oh. to the question, though, he owns a nightclub now? He owned a nightclub oh, back then. so annoying. Yeah, that's the kind of guy it was. I like, went to the nightclub once, and I was talking to the bouncer, and he told me something about how – this is in Seattle. He said, yeah, we make everyone check their guns at the door. And I said, Story. And I went to my editor and said, hey, Story. I'm like, no. no not a story. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Um, but we were – I was just talking with someone today about what you will do for free and what you have to charge for. Now, that's a moving target. Right. It totally is. It depends on where you are in your career, if you have a book coming out, et cetera, et cetera. And, but, I mean, it's it's pretty general – it's a pretty general guideline that most people think you should not write for free, right? Right. But, and that, and I agree completely. And artists feel the same way. You should not be illustrating for free. Totally with it. But I do so much for free because, like, the podcast. No one's paying right. me a salary No one's paying right me. This takes us hours and hours every and, week. Yeah. And but, so why do we do but, it? Yeah. I will say that when I got into podcasts, I did so and still do so with an eye toward it eventually paying money. Right. And it's paying off in some other way because that's what I was trying to sort of like circle around with the person I was talking to saying, yeah. And, and you know, usually I'm paid for events now too, but right. for a long time I wasn't and right. I would still go do them and I'm not always. Right. And I do it because – Maybe I want the community. Maybe I want to support somebody. Maybe I know that it's going to be good visibility. Maybe there's a lot of things that go into managing your small business, and sometimes it isn't a paycheck. Right, right. And, and I do – I mean because I'm at a, a different point in my career than you. I'm still at the going up the hill part. Um, well, I'm yes. further down the hill. <laughs> but this podcast in particular is great for me for visibility. Right, exactly. I mean, and I, I like talking to people about their work and right. so it's pleasurable on top of that. And I get to hang out with you. I know, exactly. So that's Which is really the, it was the best part. But I know, same for me. So we have the pleasure of doing it mm-hmm. and we can see that there is the ability to have some visibility. But don't get us wrong. It's work. But it's work, right? Yeah. Oh, I like your phrase, just because there's, there's no money doesn't mean there's no work. Right. And yeah. a lot of the writing life is that. Yeah. But I do think it is a good idea not to write for free. I really do. But I'm curious about your situation because you're working your butt off. Yeah. Like I'm working, yeah, more than and, time. But I also think you're getting to a point where you're finding out that the way to make a sort of living in writing isn't what how you thought it was going to exactly. be. Exactly. So um, I am now making most of my money, and I think this is the case for probably most people, unless you have a really a blockbuster book, like big, big, big mm-hmm. book, is um, that it's what the book brings. Right. So teaching gigs, lectures, talks. Okay, but your book lends itself really well to that. Right. So that's the problem. Because now you're an expert. It might not be. It might not be so. And the thing about art is there's an art world, Mm -hmm. right? So I have academia that I can go talk to. I have museums I can go talk to. I have... Um, I was just at um, like an art center in Mill Valley last week. That deal, that surprisingly cool deal. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, Did you get paid for that? Yeah. Nice. I really, I do not speak for free. Who doesn't walk down their (laughs) stairs for less than $5,000? Oh, I'm not telling who that is. But I will tell you this much. It's a poet, which is surprising. That is surprising. I walked down my stairs today for free. Yeah, A couple times, yeah. Here's what, you know what I did today to walk down my stairs? Uh, Swept. Uh, No, I have this, just for listeners, you may not know this, I have this odd dog who no longer will take walks with me. And we started doing the... Started doing the numbers this morning because we had been had stuff to do all weekend. And my wife goes, you know, I don't think Shaq's taken a walk since Friday. And I'm like, Jesus. He's just sitting around. He goes out back, you know, yeah, to well, take of care course. of his business. He's older, but he won't go on a walk with me. So, you but, mean he just stops and so pulls t- against you? 
Oh, he won't even get off his chair. I have the leash, and he's just, like, sitting there just looking at me like, are you kidding? But so today I, I go, just right today now. I had to go take some recycling out, so I run out there to take recycling, and I hear behind me, down the stairs, and he's looking at me. Halfway down the stairs, and I'm at the bottom, and I'm like, well, I, I don't have your leash. I'm not wearing shoes. <laughs> I can't just take you on a walk so now. Was he? could you reason with him? Yeah, well, he's pretty reasonable, but th- okay, then he okay. wouldn't go up the stairs. I had to push him up the stairs. He's a corgi, Aww. by the way. His legs are two inches long, and he's old, and he's bitter. I finally get him upstairs, but I go, ooh, I got an idea. Yeah. So I wait, and then I, I act like I'm leaving, Oh yeah. and I walk halfway down the stairs and leave the door open. Here he comes. comes out there to get me. Ha! Got him. Leash on. Yeah. Door closed. Boom. Shoes on. We get a walk out of it. Oh, good. Yeah, and he was psyched. He was just tearing down the street. It meant as much as you can tear. And then he... he, That's nice. Yeah, but then we went to his little spot he likes to go, and then he wouldn't move. And then I realized, God, I just... You know, listeners, do your pets have cartoon thought balloons over their head? (laughs) Because please tell me how to get one of those, because I'd like to know why my dog stops in the middle of this alleyway and just looks at me and won't go one way, won't go the other way. Pull on the leash. How old is he? He's 12. I think dementia could be setting in. I agree. Yeah. And then I, I just let him go, and where he wanted to go was the pet store where they'd give him some treats. So smart. Yeah, he's not that dumb yet. No, he's smart. That's what he, I want. I want a corner store that just gives me treats. I would enjoy that. Well, the good thing is if the dog ever gets out of the house on his own, he'll go to the pet store. Oh, yeah, that is And good. wait for his treats. You know what's in your neighborhood that I really like? There's a bakery. Oh, yeah. I don't go there, though. Oh, Even though mean? it's at the end of my block. Oh, are they mean or is it the food? No, I just never think of it because it's not with the rest of the stuff. Oh, yeah. You know? I like that place. It's really, every time I've gone there, I've, I've thought yeah. it was really good. You can go more often, in my opinion. <clears throat> we could give them some props, but I don't know the name of it. It's called Destinations Bakery. Oh, perfect. On Chenery Street in the Glen Park neighborhood, okay. San Francisco, California. Uh, I, I don't know. Like it's destination. You live there, so you don't need to go. Right. It's not a destination for <laughs> no, me. I just walk by it on my way here. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to get too San Francisco-centric, oh, however, okay, yeah. because I got a complaint about my other podcast from Being a couple listeners. Oh. Yeah, that first 20 minutes, uh, I don't I don't even know what you're talking about. So. Okay. Um, well, everyone likes bakery. Oh, my God. Let's talk about Portland there where they have voodoo donuts that are bizarre. Yeah, I don't know about the voodoo donuts because I don't like the bizarre donuts. I like a regular old donut. So these this is, donuts, we're talking about writing here. So let me just say, oh, first of to all, motivate let's just you for writing. that my niece got married. Mazel Tov niece. Shout outs on two podcasts for her. I know, Mari Hoyland and yes. Dana Dotto, who are adorable, obviously, mm-hmm. and um, had a fantastic wedding. My niece knit her own chuppah. Which is, that, is am nice. Am I pronouncing that right? Yeah, yeah. You can go as hard as you want in the chuppah. Chuppah. Yeah. Um, which is very Portland. Yeah. And it was beautiful. But at any rate, as listeners, you may or may not know, I have eight living siblings. And um, you may or may not know, all of our male Jewish middle-aged listeners just swooned at the idea of a Catholic girl saying chuppah. <laughs> and my niece has, like, very cute blonde hair. She's pretty, well, she's pretty welcome to the tribe. Jewish dreamy, yeah. in my opinion. At any rate, except for not being Jewish. Well, maybe she, is, she is now, but yeah. she will be soon. Okay, at any rate, that's neither here nor there. We're talking about donuts and the fact that my siblings travel in packs and with baked goods. So, um, like, we went to see my parents in this sort of assisted living place where they live that's very chill and not at all like that sounded just now. That was, like, a little outdoor courtyard. And, first, my mother has this big thing of soda bread. Wait, they live in Portland? Or Lake Oswego. Okay. Um, uh, this big thing of soda bread. Irish soda mom, bread. Yeah. Sure. And then she also made biscotti for whatever reason. And then there were two different kinds of muffins that someone had. Ooh. And then my sister Diane showed up with this giant box of donuts. Voodoo donuts. Yeah. We'd already eaten all the baked goods that I just mentioned. Doesn't matter. She was late. Oh, yeah. And then Doesn't everyone matter. ate all these donuts. And the donuts were huge. And they were covered in, like, Captain Crunch. Yeah. There's, yeah, it's a bit much. I, like I know. Basic... I was like, I can't deal with this. There's a place on Polk Street that everyone talks about called Bob's Donuts. Uh-huh. I guess it's where the old school like to go get their donuts. I walk by it once a week. And I haven't gone in. Donuts? I know. So I'm not into donuts. But everyone else loved the donuts. Yeah. They were a huge big hit. And yeah. everyone thought they were fantastic. So, yeah. so shout out to Voodoo Donuts. What does this have to do with writing? Nothing. Yeah. I was trying not to be San Francisco. It's part of the writing life. PDX. I was in Portland. PDX. Uh, here's part of the writing life. You never have time off because mm. everyone's there. You know fun, what? That I is a like really even past that. Let yeah. me tell you what. Whenever we go anywhere, I bring my laptop. Same. So everyone was doing stuff, and I would think, okay, well, I'm not going to go out to breakfast with everyone because I have to work this morning at least. So I'd be in my hotel room working, and then I would get together with people. Now, there's two ways that that breaks down. There is the I've got I'm writing a book 
and I got to write every day way. Mm-hmm. And then there's my way, which is the I'm a freelancer. Nobody cares that I'm on vacation. I got to get something done right now. And wait, that doesn't make sense. What do you mean? There's the realtor who calls and says, oh. I need this ad by tomorrow. Can you do it? And yeah. I, but, and there's also the, I do two weekly podcasts That's a ton of that work. need to get posted. Ugh, Once I did, I, I forget. Oh, it was when I think I went to Minnesota for four days. I managed to set it oh, up right. so that awesome producer Beth would be able to push it live. I did everything but push it live. So I was just sitting there hanging oh, out, re- so ready to go good. live. That's really all you can do. Don't but, ask me to push anything. No, I won't. Um, <clears throat> I would be bad at that. Yeah, not a pusher. Nope. But, yeah, I always got to bring – and it's funny because sometimes I have to bring the laptop for 10 minutes of work. Right. In a week. Exactly. But, and don't you ever – I mean, I was also talking about this with someone today, which is that I feel like I have to be better about sometimes taking a day off. Oh, yeah. Because no we don't have set in hours, so you right. you don't really feel like, oh, have I even gone to work today? I mean, I've done all these things, but blah, blah, blah. But I still have all this stuff hanging out there, so it's Saturday, and I better – Get right. Things done. Like, oh, I just never. But there's still, but, you know, there's so many schools of thought on that, though. And every mm-hmm. writer we've had in here has given a different answer to the question of do you write every day? Mm-hmm. You know, some people have to. Some people think it's like a muscle, you know, or it's, it's the way to get shit done. I'm going to tell you. Yeah. But, you know, and I'm always in the times that I've been productive. It has been every day because it's like being exactly. un, being under a spell. Caring Carbo who has a book called In Praise of Difficult Women, that's quite good, um, told me something once or told this group of people uh, at Tin House once um, that I thought was very helpful and has been very helpful to me that when you're working on a book or a long, pro- long project that you need to at least visit it every day. Visit it. I like that. And I do think that like checking in keeps it alive in your mind in mm-hmm. a way that's really helpful. Well, I started visiting mine last week. Yeah. You'd ask and where I'd been. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but isn't it so cold when you put it down for a long time? It's hard, right? It I is. Hard. It's hard and it, 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 it wasn't aging well. You know, looking at the stuff I well, wrote. that can be good. That is good. Right. But but I really thought, you know, okay, but well. But here's the trick with that, even though it's almost impossible to do, is to keep going forward. Right. That's the hard part. Instead of going part. back yeah, and yeah. fixing it because you see how now that it's cold yeah. and it's not very good and it's not gelling and blah, blah, blah. Um, hey, tomorrow is August 1st. Yes, it is. And um, via the magic of Twitter, I am friends with Kayla Kagan. You start doing the thousand words a day again? The thousand words a day again. For the month starting, of August? Uh, well, it's for two weeks. Okay. Because, uh, I mean... I'm no Kirsten Chen, okay? I can't do that for the rest of my life. But mm. she does. And she does it five days a week. So mm-hmm. we're doing it for two weeks. Seven days a week? Seven days a week. Fifth, it's 14 days straight. Okay. A thousand words a summer. And we're starting tomorrow. She's my accountability partner. I'll be tweeting about it. Although this won't be up maybe until after it's over. So when you say you're um, Twitter friends, mm-hmm. do you DM each other? We do. Oh, look we at do. that. She's my buddy. Uh, so Kayla is a... YA writer, among other things, but she had a book called Piper Parish that came out about the same time as Broad Strokes, and it's about a girl in Texas who wants to be an artist. Okay. And so I had read it and liked it, and I think she read Broad Strokes, and so we became social media friends, and now she has a new book coming out in October called Art Boss about the girl going to New York and becoming an artist. Oh, so it's a series. Uh-huh. And I think she's working on the third one now, or at least a third book right now. So at any rate, when Kayla comes to San Francisco, we got to have her on. Okay. Um, for and sure. And yeah, it's really great for me to have this accountability partner and to, again, be all fired up because I did A Thousand Words of Summer, Jamie Attenberg's um, thing in June, and man, I got a ton done. How many days did you do it for? 14 days. 14 days. You got yeah. 14,000 words? More. Uh, a little bit more. A little bit more. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that would be great. I, you know, I keep coming back to the Ethan Kanan. He said, write a sentence a day or uh-huh. at, at minimum. Yeah. I, you know, that's good. You know, the thinking behind it. No, tell me. You'd have well, the thinking the behind it is like just, it's basically visited it every day. Yeah, you know, make sure thing. you're writing a, at least a sentence a day. And if, I do think it's good advice because it's, it's so easy to think I don't have time. Right. So I'll do it on Saturday when I have eight hours or whatever. And it's just never well, that Saturday doesn't work. No, I used doesn't. to think that, you know, I read once a long, long time ago that Michael Shabone would sit in his little office and he's like, I, it's my job. I go in at nine in the morning and I write till five in the afternoon. Mm. I thought, okay, that's what I'm going to do too. And no freaking way. You cannot do that. Also, your friends and family will kill you. Well, if they, they don't, don't respect that. No, no one respects, 
I, I def, is there a writer that, that people around them say like, oh, I know you're working from nine to five, so I, the, I will ask nothing of you. No, <laughs> no, and and it's really it does not happen. it's really too bad because you do have to create those boundaries, which I am terrible at doing. If That's my I'm going away next week. child were to well. call me while I'm writing, I'll stop writing. And talked about. I'm sorry, Julie Lifcott Haynes, my son. If he were to call, <laughs> well, yes, exactly. he is 21 exactly. in four days. I um, I have learned a lot from this podcast. I, you know what? We Me should too. do. Oh my gosh, we should do a listicle of the things like writing oh. tips. So uh, Kirsten Chen's writing tip, besides well, she had two. I know. Should I write that down? Yeah, write that down. Okay, listicle. Things we've learned. From the Grotto Pod podcast about the writing life. About writing life. Um, hashtag. Uh, so Kirsten said two things. One is that when she sits down to work, she turns off the internet, which that's what I do. I can't. I got it, but I can't. Okay, but I do that now. And she says, she said. Take a picture of you while you're talking. No, you don't even get to do that. Okay. uh, Okay. She said that she also just has to write a thousand words. Once she's done, she's done. She's done with her work day. So it's like a treat to dive in. So I'm not sure. I like that. That I agree with that. Yeah. Because I need to finish that scene no matter what. Right. So you don't have to agree with it. You can just yeah. do what you want. But, but I, the thousand words, like, because I've heard, no, I, I'm not bashing her because yeah. a lot of people have made a yeah. real big point about that. No, no matter what, you stop. You stop at that thousand oh, words. I see. Yeah. You don't I mean, keep going. You don't yeah. ring it, you know, uh, but I'm always like, I go till I can't go. And yeah. then I stop, which kind of sucks because then they're maybe they're right because when I'm done, I'm like, I'm stopping because I don't know where to go next, and then but, tomorrow I got to sit down here and try to is, figure it out. That is why they have you. That is why people say to do that. So yeah, that you can start on roll. Yeah, <clears throat> but the thing is, you could also look at it two ways. If you're on a roll and you want to keep going, you can, but you're allowed to stop when you get to a thousand if you want to. What if the roll ends? What if you're on a roll, you go away, you it's come back, end. no roll. Yeah, that, that happens. Your roll was was concurrent. It was only going to happen One that thing day. What I do is I I then hit the end of whatever I'm doing, and then I make parens and I write in all caps, and I just oh yeah, slash slap down whatever I thought. Oh, was ideas. Come next. Okay, or that's ideas. a good idea. I need to do that. Yeah. I usually just say start here. I do that too. <laughs> um, we have all these little tricks. I try not to go back and edit what I've already written, but it's really hard not to. Um, so I am going away tomorrow, and I'm going to be gone for 20 days. Uh, is this the upstate New York thing? No, this is a Northern California thing. Oh. Oh, are you going on a little uh, self-imposed retreat? I am. And um, one of the things that works for me is to do my writing in the morning and my research and editing in the afternoon. When do you do your running? Well, I can't run anymore right now. Bicycling. When do you do your bicycling? I don't know if I want to get into all the personal details, but I set up a trainer in the room where I work. A trainer, like a person? No, like a bike on a bike trainer. Oh, okay. And I, that is my treat then. So after I That's finish quite a treat. my writing, then I get to ride the trainer. For how long? However long I want. Depends if there's a Giants game on a little longer. Okay. Um, I like, what I really like is for there to be either a Giants game on in the middle of the day so that I can ride and watch. That's Wednesday. Wednesday or Saturday. That's awesome. Yeah. Or uh, I'll watch some dumb reality thing. Well, or listen to a podcast. House Hunters. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then I go and edit, and I actually really like to edit while I'm listening to the Giants on low. Huh. We've talked about that in the past with a lot of writers, what sort of noise they need or yeah. non-noise they yeah, need. What I like about it is that um, I'm I'm not distracted by it, but I feel like I'm having fun. <laughs> Do you are you cognizant of what's happening in the game? Sometimes, it yeah, depends. yeah, and I can get a little too drawn in, but a lot of times I don't. I've noticed a lot of people, not a lot, but I've noticed some people um, talking about. Is it Spotify playlists yes, they'll do at do the end of their book? Play- and I saw R. O. Kwan, who I don't know well enough Reese. to call Reese. Uh-huh. She was talking about some song that she had listened to over and over, and Ingrid, who's going to be on the um, yeah, and she has one too. Yeah, I can't no music. I um I never write to music either. I went through a period where I did because it was helping me break out of this really academicy mm-hmm. writing. Um, the problem is my brain follows the, the right. lyrics. So you have ADD too. Probably. Because that's the problem. You're like, oh, there's a song. Hey, how about that? And also the thing that happens to me all the time, if the internet's on, it's like I hear something in the song and I'm like, when did Lou Reed die? Oh, totally. Did he actually write that? Or was that (laughs) Lou Reed in the Velvet Underground? Like I 
Then That's the magic, which is the magic of reading on your iPad. That's why I don't like reading on my iPad. Well, see, I don't mind. Like, oh, Robin Williams. I was reading that Robin Williams book. Like, oh, he was. Where was? Where was the Holy City Zoo? Let me take a look and see what that exactly, was all about. Exactly. Exactly. I don't mind that sort of enhanced re- research, enhanced reading, but I can't do it writing. I know. If you're writing, you don't want to be doing that. I mean, that's actually the good thing about turning off the internet too. Is I can't well, research yeah. while I'm writing because that's such a temptation. I make that mistake because so this book I'm working on and have been working on forever uh it takes place close to here mm-hmm. and i want it to be since i said right. i like accuracy i'm right. a naturalist right. i want right. to know right. so i'm like oh yeah what about that place you know right. so and it then half an hour later okay just look at twitter know, for a half hour and, i think social media is really bad oh and here's well, another yeah. one we haven't had her on but i got this tip from and some of these i may be repeating but okay i use all of these from um, Jan Ellison, who I think got it from Ellen Sussman, I believe she said, which is that you set a timer. I do this all the time for 45 minutes. And then you just write. You don't do anything else. You're not allowed to do anything else but write. And you write in a very free way about whatever you're doing. And then you take a 15-minute break to do whatever the hell you want. And, and then another 45 minutes? Mm-hmm. And I do that's what I do to try to get to the 1,000 words. That's a good idea. Yeah. I would have a lot of words if I did it that way. It's so good because it's such a finite amount of time, and like you, I turn off everything, so I can check my email and check everything. In Do you find minutes. yourself at the thirty-minute mark looking at your watch? Mm-mm. I mean, sometimes, but not very often. Yeah. I got a remarkable amount done that way. It just frees you up because it's all about it's all about quantity, not quality. Or right. It's all about time. It's I'm like, great at that. It's like timing your run instead of saying I'm going to run three miles. It's like I'm going to run for thirty minutes. Right. It's easier. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, no. I, you know, I'm looking for tips because uh, I need them because I've got a couple. i got about three-third of the way done projects here that I need well, to finish. Well, that's another problem. Yeah, I know. What, okay, let's define that problem. <laughs> I think that's a lot of people's problem, which is that the excitement of starting a new project is exciting, and it gets you to the flabby midpoint, which is really hard to get over. Yes. Who yes. are we talking about with this? Was it Jennifer yeah. March Soloway? I don't know. I think it was her, that idea, yeah. That's why you can't, as an agent, you can't read the first three chapters because they might be awesome. Right. But there's you nothing need, else after that. More. So I, I think it's really important to finish things and to see a project all the way through. I think it builds the will, which mm. is actually very good. And it also teaches you the techniques of Having to deal with the flabby middle, which is a really hard thing. Yeah, I'm working on that flabby middle boy. Yeah. It's kind of a life theme. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard. It's really hard. I mean, I think that, like, my cheat is that I do these discrete chapters, right? I mean, they still have a flabby middle, but it's short, Mm -hmm. each chapter. But it is hard. I mean, I don't know how novelists do it. I don't know how to do it. I'll let you know if I ever finish it. uh, Well, I did finish it once, but I didn't like it, so I had to start over. Here's how one way to get rid of it: progressive complications. So you've got to be like ratcheting it up, ratcheting it oh, up. Oh yeah, yeah. There. You know, and that's that is good advice, and that's something. Every time I write a chapter, I go back and go, okay, let's you know, let's put a little more pressure here. Let's get a little closer yeah. and more pressure. Yeah, I think it's vital, and it's be- really easy to like lose steam and just get all descriptive-y. Right, and because also because I'm one of the many men my age who were ruined by Raymond Carver in the '80s, mm. and we think nothing needs to happen. Man, I just did. You, have you read uh, Leslie Jameson's book, The Recovering? No, it's I've heard of a, it. I what? really liked it, but the stuff she writes about Raymond Carver and his relationship with his editor is so interesting. Which I already I knew the biggest parameters of it, but she um, she talks about very specific letters back and forth between them and are they like, the like you're my savior or the what'd you do to my stuff what'd you do to my stuff because it started you're my savior well both are true there's a really good podcast you can listen to yes. that talks about that it's called podcast hosted by our friend john roderick oh, and ken oh, jennings this the um, yes. jeopardy guy called yes. the omnibus and they did a they did a episode on gordon lish and raymond carver that was 90 percent of the way there the other 10% was because they're not living in this world. Right, 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 right. There was some stuff that they said, like, what? Really? You don't know that? Come on. Oh, exactly. But, you know, the thing that I really took away from it was, A, how much Carver's vision of 
what he was really trying to do didn't come through in nope. the stories. He was way more optimistic. Was try- way more optimistic. Yeah. Um, and so how ironic that, as you say, this generation was shaped by. Not but we were. And I love oh, that yeah. stuff. Oh, totally. I mean, and I, I love. Mean, it worked. That's the thing. You know, and what was important about that, too, was that he was writing about blue collar, non-cool right. people. Right. But they were also, yeah, they were so spare and so depressing. And for years, you know, every, everyone I knew, stories were all people were drunk, but not in a happy way, you know. And <laughs> yeah, dead end jobs. Of course, none of us <laughs> were like that. <laughs> well, I know. I mean, the whole dirty realism thing was like, a f- like porn, like blue collar porn or something. For the longest time, I thought that's how it had to be. Yeah, you know, oh, I get it. I, it replaced, I get it. you know, oh, I'm going to be Jack Kerouac and write on the back of a napkin right, in a bar. Right. So who would you hold up as your ideal now? Who do I, I really ideal, like ideal, but now. like what, who spurs you? Well, remember I said I like Tom Parada. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I kind of want his life. What's his life like? Just, you know. Success. Yeah, success. Yeah. Keep just churning out books Movies. and... And I, and I like that he wrote about the suburbs in the 80s, too. That kind yeah. of works for me. I do. I actually do like writing about the suburbs because I think it's hard to do. And, um, and you know, it, there's this kind of re-enchantment of that. I love that it. to happen. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. I always thought if you wrote, set something in the suburbs, all that sort of, all the intrusion of setting is stripped away. You know, it's and like this, it's so bland. You mean? Yeah, and and I was, I mean, having grown up in the suburbs, I thought all kinds of crazy stuff happened there. I mean, it certainly wasn't the exclusive domain of little towns or the big city. Totally. I mean, it's funny to me because um, growing up, I thought of Montana as nowhereville that nobody cared about. It was outside the circle of anything important or mm-hmm. anything that happened, and to see it turn over the years to its own little like romantic thing yeah and and that is due in part to some writers and some filmmakers oh absolutely a hundred percent and that was not really there or there in a very small way and certainly i wasn't aware of it as a child i fell for it could not like to me it was like you couldn't be a creative person and live someplace like this you had to live in new york city or la or yeah it's weird i still have a little bit of that no totally seattle well no i'm saying as a child oh yeah yeah um, yeah, as, as much as I say otherwise, I still do. I'm, I'm still sort of surprised when a creative person chooses to live in Scarsdale, you know, or just someplace out there. When I first had some small successes in New York, I remember saying to somebody, you know, that phrase, if you can make it there, you'll make it anywhere. Yeah. If you can't make it in New York, you can't make it anywhere. Really? There's so much opportunity. It's just everywhere. Having never lived in New York... I still have that sort of romantic idea of it. But someone told me once, you don't want to live there because everyone's going to ask you, who do you work for? Yeah. And I said, I had nobody. Yeah. Whoever buys me my next beer, I don't know. It's funny because I remember that moment of leaving New York and no longer being able to say, I work for the Metropolitan Museum of Art or I work for CNN mm-hmm. or I mean ESPN or I work for – like just being able to throw out a name. Right. I know what you're saying is like a specific person. But I mean just to be able to throw out – No, something. no. It was a name. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, they wanted to know. Uh, it was just I so career-driven. Adrift. <laughs> <laughs> I feel adrift. I feel adrift. But now we're writers and we can live anywhere and write anywhere and I'm still torn. That's not really true, I don't think. Well, no. For us. Well, maybe it is. I could. I mean, I get, I want to. I don't to. care about I making to, any money. I, I'm scared about losing my community. Right. But I see, I think you can have that community anywhere. You just have to find people. Now, there That's is a little. True. There's oh, a little. Wow. Like when I visited Rachel Howard for Yuba Lit, that was amazing. Yeah. And I think that's that's a little bit of our, our big city prejudice. Totally. That I we mean, think, those are like small towns, right? That's the small town that we were considering moving to. Yeah. And well, you won't believe how dynamic the art scene There's is. plenty going on So there. I gave a talk that – so she uh, – Rachel Howard, who's coming on, who has a novel coming out. When spring. is she – oh, in the spring, right. Yeah, and right. she's amazing. Um, she founded and runs a series called Yuba Lit. Mm-hmm. And she had me come up and give a talk. And there were like 100 people there. I could not believe it. And uh, this is a delicate question, but what was the average age of the audience? I would say our age and older. Okay. Yeah, because it's I which is kind of like what you find here too. But that's where people have disposable income. Right, and and time. Yeah, but there were a lot of artists there, and there were other there were artists, visual artists, who also gave talks. It was super cool. I was very into it, and I often find this in Montana too. Like people have this idea that places like that are removed from everything, and Montana is a right. super cultural place in a lot of ways. Well, and I think a lot of people here make that mistake that right. they think it's a cultural wasteland everywhere but here, and it's, right. it's just not so. Completely not so. And in fact, 
I feel that maybe in some of those places it can be easier because there's not as much pressure. You know, I remember yeah. – I mean if, if – when I first moved to San Francisco, I remember paying $400 a month for my half of a one-bedroom going, how is anyone an artist here? How do they have time? You have to make so much money to live here and once you get into this world, there's so many people doing it. Yeah. yeah I remember going once. I had a friend who lived – who left Seattle and moved to a warehouse in Tacoma. And he had a fetish party. We went to this fetish party and we thought, but we thought we had just moved from San Francisco. We thought, well, this is cute. Like, <laughs> you know, there's a guy with like foam spikes on his back. That's really cute because they could do whatever they want because they didn't have to worry that someone else had already done it yeah. and was going to put it in their face. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, do you remember, because I, I feel like the pressure to succeed here is not as great as it is, for example, in New York. But also Poe said something, I think on the podcast, about uh, Poe Bronson, about whenever he flies to L.A., he suddenly thinks, like, somebody just sold their screenplay for yeah. a million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> and what am I doing here? Um, I think L.A. is pretty intense. That it is, too. though. The L.A. people we've had on have know, all talked about great. this supportive community that they yeah. have down there. But, but I think they're making more money. I think they are. Oh, yeah, totally. But I, yeah. <laughs> I agree, though, that especially if you were starting out, the idea of not having to worry, not having that monkey on your on your back, like, oh, I, I got to write that. I got to write a screenplay that makes a million dollars because everyone down here is writing a screenplay yeah. to make a million dollars. Yeah. Would be, would give you so much freedom. Yeah. You know, I saw when we were looking at colleges and we went to a a school in Troy, New York, I was looking around like, there's all these empty buildings here. Oh, I think about this all the time. Couldn't you just come here? Why do you need to be in New York? Just come in. And someone... But why you need to be in New York is the connection. Right. But someone had said, well, there's no art community here. I'm like, I think you're wrong. Yeah. I think there's no successful art community here. Or visible to you. Right. But I'll bet it's here. And, you know, all it takes is an artist moving somewhere like... The Marfa, Texas, yeah, for example, or yeah, Nova forbid. Scotia, yeah, like those places became huge because of the artists who decided to go there and make work. So our advice to you, listeners, is to be that artist. Yeah, absolutely. Just go there and do it, man. Detroit is having a boom, as everyone knows. Yes, um, which is which makes sense because really, to bring it back full circle, what makes artists move somewhere is it's cheap. Right. You can get your space. Why did everybody live in Hunter's Point for all those years? Right. You know, all the right. artists who needed room. Right, exactly. Oh. A fun fact, there's an artist in Detroit named Bridget Quinn. No. Yep. Not, and she is a sometime contributor to Fox News? <laughs> it's a different Bridget Quinn. Okay. A younger, millennial, I think. Oh, but boy. Um, we follow each other on Facebook because we found that amusing. And um, every once in a while she'll post something and it will be art-related. And I'll be like, why did I post that? Or I don't remember posting <laughs> that. And I'll realize that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever think of using your middle initial? No. What's your middle initial? I just asked initial, not name. Okay, it's J. Okay. I don't like my middle name. Really? Mm-mm. Everybody hates their middle name. Really? I hope you should my kids just have don't a, because my kids have my middle name. Well, my, my name is so your middle. name. Your first name or your last name? My last name. That's cool. That's a good middle initial. Q is a good. Yeah, name. but most people that you may as well just have your middle name be Viola or something or you know. Yeah, I, I, hamster. Uh, I can't. I can't talk about it on air, but I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't on my, air. On air to our millions of <laughs> listeners out there. Speaking, What's your middle name? Oh, I know it. Yeah, it's ironic at this point in my life, right? Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's it kind is. of funny that way. Uh, but you know what? We're we've just sat here for an hour. Boom. Yeah, but we do this all the time. How do you like that? We just don't record it. Just sat there for an hour talking about writing, talking about money, How talking long do you about think we donuts. About before forty-five minutes, I was keeping least. track. Okay. Yeah, it's forty-five minutes. So it's actually been two hours just sitting in this hot <laughs> little room. Yep. So we're going to go now. We're going to let you all go, but not before we tell you about how to get a hold of your. First of all, I want to tell people to Grotto write. Pod. A thousand words. Why Write a not? thousand words. Do it. A day. And if that's too much, just make it 500. Just like set a goal. Five days. 500 words Boom. in five days. Do it. Bam. Do it. Yeah. And then uh, I want to tell you that we are giving great thanks to the San Francisco Public Library, home, our partners, awesome. and home for the My Favorite Book reading or podcast series. Next up is... Ingrid Contreras, Rojas Contreras. Whose book comes out? Today! Yeah! Fruit of the Drunken Tree. Uh, that will be, I guess, in November. Uh, thanks to our other partners. Right, it better be in November. Babylon. It's not, if it's in September, I won't be there, Larry. Sorry. <laughs> Just me and Ingrid and her favorite book. Babylon Salon Which is our is other. Really good one. You're not going to. Nope. Any our other that on your own. You partner. 
I can't do that on my own. Babylon Salon is our other partner, San Francisco's premier reading series. Next up, September 8th, will be their next event, and will include Tommy Orange. I'm dying to read that book. I can't read anything right now, and I want to read it so badly. Bridget Quinn, author, sitting across from I'm t- me. I'm texting something. Is texting no, something. No, I'm not texting. I'm, what's this called when I'm looking something up? Uh, I don't know. When you're I'm lo- looking something else. Uh, yeah, you're looking something up. Okay. Um, how can we get also R.O. Kwan's debut of The Incendiaries. Okay, that's it. Reese to her friends. They are friends, and they're lucky because our books are killing it. And <clears> you know, our friend Vanessa Waugh's book is coming out any week now in August. A River of Stars. Okay. River of Stars. And they just did a little uh, a little um, uh, documentary Selling. type of deal here where they interviewed our friend Maury Zeff, who I've been trying to get to come on the podcast forever and who eludes me every time I try to get him to do wait, it. He's a private wait. man. Wait. Maury was on? He's never here. <laughs> yeah, I know. He was interviewed. Well, they're in the same writing group. Oh, well, there you go. So he knows a lot. There you go. Tell us how we can get a hold of you. Okay. Um, you could just go to my website, BridgetQuintAuthor.com, or you could tweet to me at BeQuintrest or follow me on Instagram, also at BeQuintrest. You can find me. Uh, I don't have a website. I probably should get Why one. Why just do you not get it? I do have a... That wasn't really English. <laughs> I do have – there is a website you can go to if you want to listen to my other podcasts, which many people have done and enjoyed and told us about. Uh, that's isitgoodforthejews.com. Uh, I am, however, on the Twitter and the Instagram at thatlarryrosen, so you can find me there. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, we're the Grotto Pod, and you can email us at grottopod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Grotto Pod. And uh, you can follow us on Facebook slash Grotto Pod. Anything I'm leaving out? Not that I know of. All the social media is covered. Who produces this here podcast? I'm so glad you asked. It is Lori Ann Doyle, Beth Weingarner, and Lee Kravitz. Big thanks to them. And also, let's thank Sugartown for the tunes. And Sugartown has a new album. That's right. Um, and so you should visit them on Facebook at Sugartown, California, and find out how to get it. It is very good. That song, Waiting for the Earthquake, I believe is the title. Okay. That's it. I got nothing left to say. How about you? Oh, what I have to say is very important. It is to read, write, and just keep working. Mm-hmm.